Take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. We're going to continue in our series in Mark chapter 6. Rebecca just loves it when I put her on the spot. <laughs> I do appreciate my wife. She is a blessing to me. And uh, my friend and encouragement. Um, we were talking about it this week. <clears throat> Sometimes it's tough when you're, I'm not a pastor, but I'm a pastor, you know what I mean, um, to have somebody to talk to about your problems, you know, and I told her, I was like, I'm glad I have you because I feel like I can go to you and, and, and there's safety in that, and she's, she's my friend, and so I appreciate her so very much. Look at Mark chapter 6, we're going to continue our series, today we're going to talk about Christ's care in the center of your, in the center of your storm, Christ's care in the center of your storm. Look at Mark chapter 6. We ended last week uh, with the story of the feeding of the 5,000 with the, uh, the loaves and the fishes there. And uh, today we're going to start in verse 45. So let's, let's stand. We'll read this and then we'll uh, have a prayer and you can be seated. <clears throat> it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before into Bethsaida while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And he went up into them, into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Let's finish the chapter. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And they were come out of the ship straightway, they knew him, and ran through that whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, uh, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into the village or cities or country, or country, they laid the sick in the street and besought him, that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. So they were going to preach on Christ's care, in the center of your storm. Let's pray. Lord, we need you today. God, I pray that you'd help us as we preach. God, I pray that you'd just fill us with your spirit. Anoint us, Lord, to preach your word today. Lord, I know that there are many people here that are going through trials and storms. God, they're facing hard times. Lord, things they might not even understand. Uh, Lord, feel like it might be even unfair to them. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us to uh, not ever doubt you, to remember that you do care for us. Lord, give us these truths to encourage us, to strengthen our faith, Lord so that we can serve you better. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Um, this week, I had a couple of different things I've been preparing for in a couple of different passages. And it seems like all of the passages that I've been studying have been about this, this idea of not worrying and not being anxious for anything. Um, I used to think I, didn't, I wasn't a worrier. But now I feel like I'm anxious all the time. I don't know what my problem is. I don't know if it's my age. I don't know what it is. But I've gotten where I'm anxious all the time. And so like this week, I got a little anxious. Can I just be transparent with you here? I got a little anxious. Uh, Dad was leaving town. 
so I'm, I'm having to deal with the, some of those kinds of issues, you know, all these. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm having to preach two extra times on Sunday. I've got Wednesday night to get prepared for. And so I start to worry. I just start to get a little overwhelmed. Anybody like that? I'm like, oh my goodness, how am I going to do all this? And then all my regular stuff that I do, you know, and I'm just like, ah. And so I, I, I got a little anxious, I admit it. Um, and so on, on Tuesday, I, I, I started studying for this, and I have another message I might preach tonight, but I probably won't get to it. Probably it's going to be this. Uh, but um, I was studying, and, and, and then on Wednesday night, we're, we're, we have a lesson on Galatians 2.20. We're talking about um, uh, different verses that, uh, that we're trying to memorize that can be transforming truths. And one of the, the thoughts in that was about not worrying. And so I'm like, oh, man, Lord, you're just telling me I need to not worry, you know. And so I decided it, it was a beautiful day, and I decided I'm going to go outside and run. Those of you who know me know I don't do that. I run in the mornings. I run on my treadmill. I watch my TV so that I don't think about it, and I just run, you know. But I hadn't run that morning, and so I decided I'm going to go outside and run. It's a beautiful day. You know, what is this crazy weather? You know, it's like 30 degrees different than what it was. It's like 70 degrees, you know. So I go outside and run. I was going to try and listen to some good gospel music. And so I had my little earphone things in. Everybody probably thought I was a little goofy running up down Doug App Road there, and I had my, my, my phone, and I'm playing my music. And I decided that 90% of all the songs written in the last 10 years are about storms. Do y'all believe that? I mean, it's like everybody's got a problem, got something they're facing. That's all music's about today. I don't know what happened to worship music, about praising the Lord, about how great He is, this kind of thing. But every one of them like, I got this problem. Uh, I almost got discouraged by listening to the radio while I was running. I was supposed to be doing this de-stress. I'm like, I must have a problem. Everybody's got problems, you know. I was thinking, it's like we're like, it's almost like we should be back in the Inquisition, you know. Like we don't live in America in a wonderful place with, with a, this wonderful country with the freedoms we have. And, and, but, but anyway, but I got to thinking about it. And I was like, we do all have problems, don't we? We do all have storms. Now, it might not be like the Inquisition, uh, we might not be facing some of those, but to us, our problems are real. To us, our storms are what we're facing. To us, it's what we're having to deal with. And, 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 and through that, I, I got to thinking, sometimes if we're not careful, we can get to the place where we start to doubt God cares. Anybody ever gotten there? I mean, am I alone in that? Am I, am I crazy thinking that? Sometimes we can, we all... We, if we're not careful, sometimes I think we can get to the place where we think God is out of control or doesn't control this situation. And we all know in our minds, our Sunday school, we learned that. We learned in the Bible, God knows everything. God loves us. We learned all those things. But sometimes in the midst of our storm, in the midst of our trial, in the midst of all of the things that we're dealing with, we get overwhelmed and, and we start to wondering about that. Does, does God care? Is God in control? What's going on here? I don't understand. And so, as I'm studying this passage, I think that's what God wants to teach us. Hey, we don't need to be worried, we don't need to be overwhelmed, because even in the midst, in the center of our storm, whatever storm you're going through, Jesus cares. And that's the teaching of this chapter. And so, as we, we go through here, we're going to learn how Jesus cares about us in the center of our storm. We've got seven points. We'll get through some of them this morning. <laughs> Number one, we see that he cares because of his commands. Because of his command. Look at verse 45. 
It says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before, before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. A couple things about this is why did God command this? Why, why did he command uh, for his disciples to go? Because basically he's, t- he's telling them to go into this storm. And so he's commanding this. Uh, he, he's showing that he cares by his command. Well, one thing about it is I want you to notice it says that straightway he constrained his disciples. He had to force them. Uh, they were not re- and Notice what else he did at the end of it. He says, while he sent the way the people. Uh, Jesus... Uh, here gave this command to the disciples because they were not ready for the crowd. They were not ready for the crowd. Now remember what just happened. What did we just study last week? What just happened in Mark chapter uh, chapter 6? We had the feeding of the 5,000, right? We had this story where Jesus has this crowd. And, and one of the things I liked about it, one of the things Deb pointed out and I thought was... The, to me, my favorite part is in verse 37 where he challenged those disciples, right? They came up to him, and what did those disciples tell him? The disciples came up to him. Look at verse number 30, where we at? 36. The disciples came to him, and what did they say to Jesus? In verse 30, 36, they said, send them away. We can't feed them all. You know, it's funny how they're coming up telling Jesus what to do here, right? You know, they didn't really understand it all at that time, did they? Jesus, you need to send them away. And what did Jesus look at them and say? He said, we ain't got enough food to feed them. He looks at them and says, well, give you them to eat. He's like, I'm not sending them away. You find them some food. Uh, And what was Jesus trying to do here? He's trying to show them that they need Jesus. He's trying to show them that that, to to, to meet the need of all these people, they can't do it on their own. And and so he's teaching them, hey, look, you can't do this without me. And so he's going to prove that he can feed these 5,000. So uh, to me, this is one of the craziest miracles in all of the Bible. Can you imagine this? Um, You know, it, it makes me think of like some Disney cartoon. I'm not trying to take away from the... but. It makes me think of some, di- like, like, like just the bread just popping out. And, and that disciple taking it and giving it to somebody and then turning around and, there's more bread. It's like Willy Wonka in a chocolate factory or something, you know. And he's like, where's this bread coming from? And then they go back and they get some fish and they start feeding them. And, and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like just a little thing either. Because like it says that they were filled, right? Those people were filled. And hey, look, this was a Baptist crowd. I believe it's the first New Testament church, right? It takes quite a bit to fill a Baptist crowd. Amen. Have you seen how many, if y'all were there at that, that, that thing last week, you know, people going through lines, their plates were bending over, you know, folding right in the middle. Some people take a step home, man. It's a good night. But anyway, it says they were filled. He, he, with five loaves and two fishes, he fed 5,000, well, actually 5,000 men. They say up to 25,000 people there. He fed it all. Can you imagine this miracle? I mean, it's just popping out of everywhere. Where's that food coming from, you know? And, and, and the disciples here, they were excited, and, and this great, wonderful miracle is taking place in the crowd. Can you imagine the crowd? They're there, and, and, and they're, this, this one little kid's got five loaves and two fishes, and next thing you know, 25,000 people are fed. They're like, this is, this, is, this, is, this is good. This guy, we like him. This Jesus, yes, um, I like this guy. I think we ought to make him king. What do you think? I think this is the guy, right? This is the Messiah. And, and so this crowd gets all riled up. This crowd is excited. This crowd wants to make Jesus this celebrity. This crowd wants to make him king. And hey, these disciple guys that are with Jesus, they're awesome. They brought me food. They fed me. Man, these guys are great. We're going to make them celebrities. And you know what? The disciples didn't all understand all this. Remember, we just talked about how they didn't understand all this Jesus' agenda yet, did they? 
And they're probably thinking, the crowd's onto something. This is great. I think this is what we need, Jesus. You're going to be king. I'm going to be next in charge. This is wonderful. But was that Jesus' plan? It was not. You know, it says that he had to constrain the disciples. I think he almost had to pull them away from the crowd. Can't you see Peter's like, yes, yes, I, I brought you that food. <laughs> yeah. Thomas is like, okay, yeah, all right, I'll take care of y'all. They were, they, but he says he constrained them. And then what did Jesus do? It says that Jesus sent the crowd away. Hey, this was not his plan. This was not his purpose. It wasn't for them to be celebrities. You know, we live in a celebrity age of, of Christianity, don't we? We have all these people who want to be popular on Facebook and have all these likes and, 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 and have these multi, uh, you know, multi places where they, they, they're preachers and they have their holograms and all of these things and, and they want to be celebrities. But Jesus said that's not the agenda here. And so he was actually good in his command to these disciples because he knew what was best for their lives. He knew it wasn't for them to be a celebrity. They wouldn't ever depend on him that way. They would depend on the crowd and the popularity. And so Jesus sends them into this storm because they were not ready for the crowd. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus has to save us from ourselves, doesn't he? Hey, if we always had things go the way that we want, if we always had things just go so smoothly, sometimes we get so full of ourselves, we'd be no good for Jesus, would we? We'd be no good for his kingdom. And so he sends them away because he is, they are not ready for the crowd. It's his command, it's goodness. So him sending them into the storm was a good thing. The second thing, um, his command, we can see it's good, is, is we can tell they weren't, ready for the, they weren't ready for the crowd, but they faced this storm because they were obeying Jesus. It was not due to some failure. Look, look at verse number 45. It says, and he, he straightway he constrained his disciples to get in the ship and to go to the other side before him. They were not in this storm due to some failure or mistake on their part. They were not in this storm due to some misunderstanding. They were following Jesus' explicit command to go to the other side. That was what they were doing. They didn't, they didn't misunderstand anything. It was not someone else's fault. You know, that's what we do with our storms a lot of times, right? It's, it, it's got to be this guy's fault or that guy's fault. Or, you know, I, I didn't understand. All the, no, it, they were in the middle of this storm because they were following Jesus' command. They obeyed Him. And we can take some comfort in this, can't we? We can take some comfort in knowing that I might be in this storm, and might, maybe not even due to my fault, but I am in this storm because I want to follow Jesus. A couple of things about storms. There's two types of storms we find in the Bible. We find storms of correction. We find storms of correction. Sometimes we do face storms because we need to be corrected. Uh, can you think of anybody that faced a storm out of correction? I think the most famous one, the, the best example is Jonah, right? Jonah said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flee from the presence of the Lord. What was he thinking, right? Uh, but we all try to do the same thing, don't we? Let's don't laugh too much at Jonah. We think we can hide things from God and we can't. But he's going to flee from the presence of the Lord. So he gets in a boat and he starts going. And what does he find? A storm. He finds a storm. So that we do have storms of correction, but, you know, we also have storms of perfection, don't we? 
these disciples, had they done anything wrong? Had they, had they misobeyed, uh, disobeyed the Lord? Did they misunderstand? No, they were doing exactly what the Lord uh, asked for them to. And so they were facing this storm not out of correction, but out of perfection. They were facing the storm because uh, God had something that He wanted to do for them. Hey, listen, we are not promised smooth sailing as a Christian. I think that's what a lot of people want to preach, uh, this prosperity gospel. It's going to be all smooth and good for you. Um, uh, th- that, that's not the preaching of the Bible. And actually, it's quite the opposite the teaching of the Bible is, isn't it? Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, John 16, 33. Hey, he, he also, uh, the Apostle Paul said in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, that if uh, yea, all that shall live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Listen, we will face storms. If you're following Jesus, you will face storms. But here's what we need. We, don't need, we, need, we need to look at this storm and say, God, what are you trying to teach me? And not necessarily get me out of it, but Lord, what are you trying to do in my life through this storm? Hey, listen, you might have some problems. You might have some issues that, that God wants to do. And isn't it a good thing of the Lord not to let you just go and be, uh, be off on your own? He comes to you and He corrects you. How many of you here have children? How many of you love them? All right, keep your hand up. Everybody keep your hand up. Okay. Some of you are like, I'm not sure right now. Hold on. Let me get back to you. <laughs> I saw some of you with your hand was doing this. <laughs> no, no, raise your hand. Keep it up. You love them. <laughs> but how many of you know that, that you have to correct them sometimes? And you know that the best thing for that child is that you do that. Have you seen children left to their own? It doesn't turn out so well. But God loves you. And so sometimes he has to send a storm of correction. Hey, sometimes he has to send a, a storm of perfection. He's bringing you, making you more like Jesus through the storm you're going through. So look, let's don't doubt the care of God because he is in control of every storm. He is in command. So his command should encourage us in the middle of our storm. Second thing here we see is his communion. His communion. Look at verse 46. It says, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain, to do what? To pray. So, a couple things we can see about this. First of all, we can see this. We can see that Jesus is never, about this verse, we can see that Jesus is never too busy to pray. What had Jesus been doing all day long? He'd been teaching and ministering to this humongous crowd. There's like 5,000 men plus the women and children. And, and, and no doubt, he was tired uh, it, it can be very draining to, to, to do something like that. How many of you know what I'm talking about there? Like you teach and you preach and prepare. And man, the Lord Jesus, he, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was totally, completely, 100% God. There's no doubt in, about it. But he was totally, completely, 100% man too. He, had, he, had, he, had, he would get tired. He would physically get hungry. Uh, he would need sleep and rest. But here's the, here's the point. He was never too busy to pray. It had been a long day of ministry. And, and look, he was God. He knew that it was going to be a long night. He knew what he was about to have to do in the middle of the night. If it were me, I'd have been in my lazy boy with my head in my pillow with my little blanket on me that I always have. And I'd have probably been snoozing. But Jesus knew something. He knew the importance of prayer in his life. He knew that it might have been busy, and I might be busy in the future, but I need communion with my Father. I need to pray. John Bunyan said this. John Bunyan was a, 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 
a famous preacher that was put in jail for his faith, and he's the one that wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Y'all heard of that? Pilgrim's Progress. This is what he said. He says, we can do more than pray after we have prayed, but we can do nothing, listen, nothing until we have prayed. We try and do so much ministry. Jesus did all kinds of ministry, right? But he prayed. Hey, he, he, he knew the importance of it. He was never too busy to take time to pray. You know, in, in, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, his disciples came to Jesus and asked, they asked him to teach them something. Now, we would have think uh, that we'd ask Jesus to teach us to preach. He's a great preacher. We don't find him asking that. They may have asked him. He may have taught them, but we don't find him asking that. We would have, think that, we'd have thought that, that they'd come up to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know that, that thing you did with the feeding the 5,000, the breaking the bread? Teach us that one. Can you teach me how to do that? That's not what they did. What was the one thing they came up and asked him to do? He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. You know what I think? That the disciples, when they saw Jesus' life, the thing that stood out to them more than anything, the thing they wanted to, to, to imitate, the thing they wanted to duplicate in their own ministry, the thing they knew they needed above all else was to pray like Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know, Jesus said this in Luke 18. He said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Hey, in in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing. You know, we we, we think we ought to minister without ceasing. We ought to keep going, and, and, and those things are true. But the first thing we need to do is pray. We need to be like Jesus and pray. Hey, you might be facing a storm, but you know what the first thing you need to do is? You need to pray. You need to pray. Hey, this, 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 this spoke to me. I, I, I get busy. I'll get up in the mornings. I want to get going. I'll get moving, right? I'm going to read my Bible because I got my checklist and that's what I do. And, and I'll take out my little missionary list and I'll try and pray through that day's missionary. But do I really take time to pray? What did Jesus have to do? He said he had to get out alone, didn't he? Hey, Everybody was having demands on Jesus, but he got alone. He, had, he, he actually went apart, it says. In one place it says he went to a mountain to pray. And look, you're not going to pray in front of your TV, right? You're not going to sit there and you're not going to have a prayer time and be effective in front of your TV. You're not going to do it while you're in a big crowd. And you say, well, Jason, I, I, I pray over my meal every time and, and we, we, we pray as a family. You know. But listen, you need to have a time when you get along with God and pray. You're not ever, you'll never be too busy to pray. Jesus wasn't. And so we see that about this. We see that Jesus was never too busy to pray. The second thing we see is Jesus is always praying for you. Man, this truth, this truth will help you if you're going through a storm, is that Jesus is praying for you. In, in, in verse 47, the next one it says, And when evil was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he was alone on the, on the land. And so we see these disciples, they're, they're away from him. They're absent from his very presence. Uh, and, and they might be thinking, as I get out here on this sea, and, and man... Where's Jesus, you know? I mean, he, he, he's not here and we're about to face this storm. But where was Jesus while they were out there in the middle of this sea, when they were out there in the storm? Where was Jesus? He was apart, alone on the mountain, praying to his Father for his disciples. Jesus was praying 
for them. He was going to the Father on their behalf. How many of you knew this? If you knew your, your, whatever storm you're going through, that Jesus was in that next room, right next to you, maybe, maybe right here, and Jesus was praying for you. How many of you know that would encourage you to know Jesus was in the next room praying for you? How many of you know, man, I think I, I, think I might be able to go on if Jesus is right in this next room praying for me? Well, let me tell you something. There's a little something better than that. He's in the throne room. He's on the right hand of the Father praying for you. I want you to catch this truth. Look at Romans chapter 8 with me. Man, I was looking at these verses this week, and it just blessed my heart to know that Jesus is praying for me. Look at Romans 8, 34. <clears throat> it says, Who is he that condemneth? It is, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, <clears throat> that is risen again. Notice this. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Hey, look, if you will, um, at, at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. It says, 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, it says, For there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Hey, what was Job, when Job was facing his storm, what was he wanting? What is he asking for? He, Job said this, what verse is that? Job um, 9.33 is where he, he talks about it. Job said, I wish that there was a daysman that could put his hand on you and a hand on me. That's what a daysman. A daysman is a go-between. That's what he wanted. He said, God, I wish there was a daysman that could go between me and you because, man, I'm having a rough time here, God. 1 Timothy 2.5 tells us we got one. We got, a, we got somebody, a mediator. We got a daysman that's going between us and God. Hey, listen, we have Jesus praying for us. Look at Hebrews chapter 7. Look at Hebrews 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Notice, seeing he ever liveth. What is he doing? What is he ever living for? Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Listen to me. Jesus is on the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. That's what he's living for. Look at Hebrews chapter 9. Look at verse number 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the truth. Notice this. But into heaven itself. Look at the last phrase. Now to appear in the presence of God. What does it say? Look, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Listen, when you're going through your storm, Jesus is praying for you. Hey, He's there. He's representing for you. He's there on your, your behalf. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, it says that we have an advocate, uh, somebody to go to God for us. We have an advocate with the Father. You have a voice with Him. Listen, you're not alone in the midst of your storm. Jesus is praying for you. Isn't that wonderful to know? They couldn't see Jesus working, but He was. 
They didn't didn't understand what was going on during the middle of that storm, but Jesus was praying for them. I like what Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, verse 32. When he's talking to his disciples, he's about to go to the cross. He looked at the disciples and he said this. He's saying this to Peter. He says, but I have prayed for you. Can you imagine Jesus looking you in the eye and saying, but I have prayed for you. You know, I appreciate it. I had so many people come up and say they're praying for me today. Man, you don't really understand. That means so much to me and I, I take great comfort from it. And I know many of you are great prayer warriors and I appreciate it. Man, I do. But I think it'd be a little different if Jesus looked at me in the face and said that. <laughs> What about you? Well, let me tell you something. He is. He is. He is praying for you. In the midst of your storm, He is praying for you. Third thing here. So we saw um, His command. We saw His communion. Let's look at His concern. Let's look at His concern. Turn back to Mark with me. Mark chapter 6. Let's look at our text. Look at our verse there. It says in Mark chapter 6, look at verse 47. <clears throat> and when they were, when, when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. According to John chapter 6, this same, this same telling of this story here, they were about three miles out. All right, they were about three miles out in the midst of the sea. But notice this verse 48. And this is, when I was reading this, this is the, the thing that jumped out to me of everything was this phrase. It says, and he saw them. And he saw them. Now, according to John, they were three miles out. It was even. It was night. There was a storm out there. But what did it say Jesus did? It said he saw them. Hey, he saw them. They thought they were out of his sight, didn't they? They thought they were out of his care. They were out of his concern. They were out of his reach. But he saw them. The Bible says here in verse number 48, he saw them toiling and rolling. Hey, he saw how difficult they were trying. Uh, He he saw what they were going through. He saw how hard it was. The Bible says toiling. It wasn't like an easy uh, day on the ocean out there, uh, you know, uh, rowing. It was toiling. They were working hard. They were trying. What were they trying to do? They're trying to obey Jesus, weren't they? And they were working hard at it. And there was a storm. It says that in, in verse number 48, it says he saw them toiling and rowing. It says, for the wind was contrary unto them. Hey, he saw them out there rowing, and he saw the fact that the storm, the wind, was against them. You ever feel like the wind's against you all the time? That's what what the disciples had going, man. They were going where Jesus had told them. They were determined. They were were trying to obey. And then the wind's against them. Everything seemed to be against them. Like Eeyore, right? Winnie the Pooh. Sunny outside, it'll be raining soon. (laughs) That's something, never mind. (laughs) I feel like that's my life sometimes. Do you ever feel that way? You're like... I got plans, and then I don't. <laughs> you know, it's just. But he says that 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 they were out there, they were toiling, they were they were working hard. The wind was against them, 
I think they thought, man, I'm trying to do my best to obey God, and this is what's happening. He doesn't, he's far away, he's on the land. But they didn't know he saw him. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, it says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Let me tell you something. God sees, and God knows. Hey, the Bible says he sees the evil and the good. He knows if somebody's wronged you. Some of you in here, you're holding that, aren't you? That's a storm you face. You felt like somebody has wronged you, and God, don't you know? Well, God knows. And we need to depend on God and allow Him to deal with that. Hey, we need to forgive. We need to, we need to get that bitterness out of our lives. Hey, yeah, sure they might have wronged you, but you need to be like the Apostle Paul and say, hey, vengeance is the Lord's. And, and we, need to, we need to say, hey, God, you see this. You can deal with this. I need to let it go. The Bible says he sees the evil. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's been against you. He knows how you've been wronged. And he'll take care of it. But he also sees the good. Hey, maybe some of you, you've been working to do, you've been trying to obey the Lord. You've been trying to do right, and it doesn't seem like it's going right. And, and man, you just feel like nobody notices. Nobody knows all the things I do. Nobody knows how I've tried to serve the Lord. Nobody knows how I pray. Nobody's, they don't know. The Bible says that he saw them. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Let me tell you something. In the midst of your storm, don't quit. Don't give up. Don't think God doesn't care, is not concerned, because He is concerned. He sees what you're going through, and He one day will take care of all these things. He, he, he notices. He knows when you've been wrong. He knows when you've done good. He knows. He sees. He sees all. You know, I thought of, thought of the example of Stephen. Stephen, was, Stephen was, was trying to do right, you know, he's trying to do good, and he was preaching, and these people didn't, they didn't agree, the, the, the Sanhedrin, the, the, the court there, and they actually went out and they stoned him, and you know, Stephen might have been thinking, I'm just trying to do right, I'm trying to serve the Lord, and, and see what happens, and I'm doing good, and, and these people are doing evil, and, 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 and God, don't you know, you ought to do something about these people, and, and man, but what happens is he's dying. The Bible says he looked up, And he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of the Father. Jesus saw him, didn't he? And I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is going to reward him for his faithfulness and what he's done for him. Let me tell you something. In the middle of your storm, God loves you. He knows what you're going through. He, he, He has concern for you. And you ought to know that not only does he see, but he cares. He loves you. So we see his command, we see his communion, we see his concern. Fourth thing here, we see his coming. Isn't this what it's all about? It says, and he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary to them. About the fourth watch of the night, that's anywhere from three to six in the morning, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea. They would have passed by them, but when they saw him, they walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. His coming. We'll get into this, we'll finish it tonight, but I want you to get this point. In the middle of the storm, Jesus came to him. 
what are you? The Bible says he was walking on the sea. That what they thought, what they feared, what they thought was going to be their demise, what they thought was going to get them, what they thought was going to put, put them under, was what Jesus came walking upon. Listen to me. Whatever storm you have going in your life, whatever, whatever problem you're facing, He is in control. Hey, it, it, nothing happens outside of His command. And know this, listen, know that He is praying for you. He is on the right hand of the Father praying for you. And He cares. He's concerned for what you're going through. And eventually, through all the storms, He will come to you.